0: welcome to today's stream very excited to see you here as always lots of big things to cover today of course the price of bitcoin sitting at a critical level of price support right now not a whole lot happening otherwise in the markets although we could get a big announcement out of china so i want to talk about that with you also i want to go over some some pretty worrying charts and statistical information that is painting a pretty grim picture moving forward, particularly for the U.S. economy, which, of course, has implications for the entire global economy and has implications for the stock market and has implications for our magic internet money. Always have to take a look at the other side of the coin, so to speak. I also want to discuss with you the best damn times to buy magic internet money. And of course, how crazy things can actually get, because I feel like when the market cycle is in the area that it is right now, oh, it's so easy to forget about how crazy it all gets when things start moving, because it gets really crazy. Of course, big shout out to everybody in the live stream today. Of course, we're live streaming this usually three times a week here on YouTube. Uh, We repost this on X and Rumble as well. And of course, shout out to everyone listening on the podcast on either Apple or Spotify. We post these whole episodes there as well. So if you'd like to listen to it in your car or wherever, you can download the podcasts as well. So let's get into it. Bitcoin. Some exciting news out of China. Looking at Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies more broadly being approved as property, which is some pretty cool news. But the price, oh, the price of Bitcoin, man, what a struggle it has been recently. I'm just, what's going on, Bitcoin? Can something happen? Can something happen? Come on. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, price has been pretty, pretty rough recently here for Bitcoin. We can see currently Bitcoin is sitting right at a key area of price support. So this area between twenty-five dollars and $26,000, very key area of price support for Bitcoin. We can see the last three weekly candles have actually come down to around $25,300 to $25,400 approximately. The weekly candle for this week, though, pretty damn gnarly looking. We did have that rally up to $28,000. Everybody got all excited about the the Bitcoin news from Grayscale, and then we got slapped back down two days later. It was quick. It was brutal. It was a crazy week. Not a great looking candle. Huge sell presser coming in every time we get a slight rally here for Bitcoin recently one silver lining if you look at the weekly charts we are still holding above the 200 week exponential moving average that has been where we've been seeing candle closes above key key area of support because that twenty uh five thousand dollar price range whereas the absolute critical level of price support for this level is right at the 200 week exponential moving average so we're seeing the convergence of this massively important price point plus the convergence of the 200-week exponential moving average coming together makes it a very strong area, hopefully, but also a very critical area if we lose it. Now, currently, we are potentially looking at a double-top scenario, the first top forming in April, and the second top forming in July. The downside target of that double-top situation is around... 21, twenty thousand dollars may not play out because we also potentially looking at a double bottom forming up here. So really at a critical will we, won't we, what happens next kind of scenario but markets are feeling very pessimistic. we need narrative to start driving the price again. A Bitcoin ETF provides a narrative and you know one day, you're just going to wake up and there's going to be a Bitcoin ETF approved and the markets are going to be insane and there's going to be the giant green candle Everyone gets everyone all excited. But between now and the Bitcoin having, there's not really a lot of big things happening. Sure, there's some money being made on chain with new layer two networks. Yeah, there's some airdrops to farm. Yeah, there's some altcoins been taken off, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But overall major trend-wise we're just kind of slowly grinding along things haven't really been that exciting recently as you've probably noticed so that's what i'm watching for bitcoin right now these course in the weekly charts here maybe the end of the year going in here towards next year bitcoin have maybe we don't see that much exciting happening maybe we even see a bit of uh, scary stuff happening but we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Of course, I'm not too worried about any of the short-term stuff. What happens tomorrow, next week, next month, before the Bitcoin having more broadly, it's probably nothing too exciting. My expectations aren't very high. So if something exciting does happen and we get a Bitcoin ETF and it's way more bullish than I could have imagined, great, fantastic. I'll take it. I'm ready for it. My expectation is not set there. But if it exceeds my expectations, I'm ready for that. That's fine that'll be cool too yeah basically lots of nothing happening in the charts here wish I had better news for you nice chart chart to share here with you from at the scalping Pro over on X he says Bitcoin is back at the lower Bollinger Bands for the first time of 2023 Interesting. Looking at the weekly charts here, of course, again. So, the last time we saw this was during the FTX collapse, and it turned out to be a great opportunity to accumulate Bitcoin. Is there a bounce in coming? Interesting. Interesting. All these little interesting tidbits in the charts here, right? All these little tidbits in the charts. Also, this, this has been shared by uh, Coinalize. Lowest monthly trading volume for Ethereum since 2020. It just lets you know how much has been just lost in this bear market here, right? All the way back, fully retraced on trading volume. It's like those past few years almost didn't even happen. It's pretty crazy. Pretty damn crazy indeed. To see that massive mass retracement here in trading volume again just underlining how quiet it is in the market right now and if you're here you're watching this well fantastic fantastic if you're here watching this then you're here at a time when there is opportunity here in the market what you do with that information up to you of course not to say we can't see prices go down further from here because of course we can Never, of course, financial advice. I'll only share what I do and my opinions on things happening here. I can't tell you what to do with your money. That's up to you at the end of the day. But seeing this kind of low volume and all this stuff just says to me, we're in that period where, you know, we are in an accumulation zone. We're in that quiet period where nobody really wants to hear about Bitcoin. and That's the period when smart money buys low, right? That's why BlackRock and all those other characters are getting involved. Then when they're in, People come, they FOMO later, they buy it high and they sell low. You don't want to do that. You want to be the buy low, sell high guy, not the buy a high, sell low guy. Now, before we break down the Bitcoin ETF and the China news, If you are a cryptocurrency trader, you got to get yourself an account over on Bybit. It is the best place for trading cryptocurrency futures, and it's also the best place for trading a huge range of spot altcoins. They have a super popular copy trading service as well. Now, if you want to get yourself an account, use the link in the description, and you'll get up to $30,000 in trading deposit bonuses, depending on how much volume you trade, how much you deposit, and you're also going to get exclusive fee discounts. So go ahead and check it out if you are a trader. Bitcoin news reporting on what JP Morgan said. The SEC will be forced to approve a spot Bitcoin ETF. Following Grayscale's victory in court recently. I hate to say I agree with JP Morgan. But I kind of agree with JP Morgan. Feels dirty saying it, but I kind of agree. I think at this point, the... SEC doesn't have a lot of options left on the table. They can try and pull the custody card, maybe. Because that's really the only difference right now between the futures ETF products that they've approved versus spot products. Now, they've argued in the past, not about custody, actually. They've argued, well, it's all about price manipulation and all this stuff. And and the courts came out and said, well, hold on a second. You're telling us that the price feeds are good enough for futures contracts, but they're not good enough for spot contracts? B.S. Maybe they're going to try to pull some other cards out, or maybe they're going to try and take a graceful flex and say, well, the courts said that, and we have to follow the rule of the courts, so we're going to be good boys here, and we're going to approve the BlackRock Bitcoin ETF. Larry Fink's going to get what he wants, isn't he? Of course, the Andy Larry Fink. Pretty interesting, though. Everybody seems to be coalescing around this idea. Major firms like J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan. These, these guys, I... I have not forgot about that cocaine boat, JP Morgan. Anyway, everybody is now starting to talk about Bitcoin ETFs being approved. And you start to look at the different media and stuff like this we're seeing coming out around this. It's not just JP Morgan. We're seeing Wall Street Journal and all these different guys publishing how Bitcoin's great for the environment and different stuff like this. The narrative is shifting. Why is the narrative shifting? Because BlackRock's put in the phone calls They put in the phone calls to the media saying, hey, you got to start talking about Bitcoin like it's awesome again. We're trying to get a Bitcoin ETF approved here. We need people to be on board with this. We know we fudded it in the past. Now, let's make sure people know how cool it is. It's environmentally responsible to buy Bitcoin now, baby. That's how things work. That's how narratives change. Let's talk about the China news. Chinese court said that cryptocurrencies are considered legal property and are protected by law in China. Justin Sun sharing that here like uh, crimson caravan cocaine boat sequel to cocaine bear cocaine sharks <laughs> cocaine bear man. I can't believe they made that. There's a real movie. So they made a cocaine bear movie. <sighs> Crazy stuff. Anyway, I digressed from the China story here. Shout out to everybody in live chat. Of course. Interesting. So we've seen Chinese courts say kind of similar stuff in the past, basically, that cryptocurrencies are protected by law. So if you're a Chinese investor, you own cryptocurrencies, then legally, you're allowed to own them. They are protected property, which is pretty interesting. Now, let me read this here from Crypto Briefing. Instead of relying on traditional approaches, the report advocates for a unified strategy that draws upon both criminal and civil law. This method, it asserts, would be more in line with the protections given to personal property rights. The People's Bank of China reinforced this stance with measures effective from September 2023. Still, though, outlawing the exchange of virtual currencies and their conversion to traditional fiat currencies, In China, still imposing bans on the issuance of digital currency tokens and associated derivatives, still introducing stringent rules against broadcasting cryptocurrency specific information. So we've seen um, different social media platforms in China launching, then taking away, launching, then taking away, having all kinds of restrictions around even sharing price feeds for Bitcoin and also amplifying surveillance on crypto mining activities using real time electricity usage as a primary metric. Crypto mining, of course, has come back massively in China, which is pretty interesting. But they want to make sure everyone's paying their taxes on it. I think that's what it really comes down to. It's usually about the money, isn't it? Who's got the money? Who's getting the money? They say such regulations precipitated significant shifts in digital currency markets, causing prominent cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin and Ethereum, to register declines. Yet in Hong Kong, China approved a comprehensive digital asset plan to make the city-state into a crypto hub. So this is, again, such a weird situation in China where in China, you're allowed to hold Bitcoin. You just have to pay taxes on it. So China has tax provisions for cryptocurrencies. They've kind of allowed miners back into the country. They have passed property rights for cryptocurrencies they were launching a, a national NFT exchange, which means that it runs on blockchain technology. And yet, they still want to keep it stifled domestically, but they haven't. Of course, the gray market for cryptocurrency in China is absolutely massive. If China was to ever reverse its stance, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. That'd get pretty crazy pretty quick. But the Hong Kong story May just be that canary in the coal mine of a softening stance more broadly towards cryptocurrencies in China. Because remember, nothing happens in Hong Kong without Beijing's approval. Pretty interesting. China's slowly coming back, slowly coming back, guys. Crazy stuff. Now, let's get into the next big story here. And for everybody joining on today's conversation uh, in the live, Hang out till the end. We're going to be doing a Q&A session then. So if you want to discuss uh, Gala or Chainlink or any other stuff I see you guys chatting about here in the live chat, hang out till the end of this conversation and we'll be doing a Q&A session. And of course, if you're listening to this later on uh, the podcast or something like that, then come over here to YouTube if you want to do a Q&A session with us and catch a live session. We're usually broadcasting these live sessions, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, New Zealand time, which is usually Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday evening time uh, for those of you on East Coast USA for reference. So, okay, let's get into the next big story here. What I want to discuss with you are some very worrying charts specifically for the U.S. economy. And we know that if the U.S. economy is in trouble, most other economies are in trouble. And I want to share these with you because I think it's really important to be fully aware of the other side of the coin. I know it's great to be, hey, we're going to be long-term bullish and all that great stuff. Fantastic. But what about short-term volatility? Things that could be happening over the next Few months, six months, maybe. For example, that could really, really shake markets to their core. What are some indicators, or statistics, or data that are showing we could still have some some turbulence ahead, and you might want to keep your seatbelts fastened? Well, it's interesting to see Goldman Sachs again. Big banks, not a big fan. But Goldman Sachs out here warning there's a 20% chance for U.S. recession in the next 12 months. J.P. Morgan, of course, they came out recently and said basically no chance of a recession now. Can't really trust these big banks as far as you can throw them. When they're pretty damn big, so you can't really throw them very far. Still, though, we've seen a general consensus towards this. Well, not really much for of a chance of recession anymore. Not a big deal. Kind of coming out recently. So most major. Financial firms and analysts are kind of moving in this direction. But are they right? What's the data saying? Well, Joe Consorti over here on uh, X shared, well, the Fed is done hiking. That's what he that's his The Fed, of course, not has officially announced that, but based on this, because it always pauses when the unemployment rate rises off of its cycle bottom. Unemployment kicked up to a three-year high of 3.8%. That was last week. The Fed's goal to loosen the labor market is finally taking shape. The question is, how long can it hold before it cuts? How much more unemployment does the Fed want to cause? If you really think about the interest rate hike thing, the Fed's basically done everything it wanted to do, right? Inflation's largely been tamed. Unemployment's finally going up. They broke some banks, some other stuff, But it's pretty interesting that we are finally starting to see unemployment going up. Now, the question, of course, is how high will the unemployment rate go? How long will the Fed stick to their guns? And um, I know that there's often this thought, well, they're not going to let the economy tank in an election year well they've often let the economy tank in the election year sometimes they can't help it 2020 election year economy tanked 2008 that was a pretty big tank of the economy during an election year 2000 that was an election year economy tanked pretty good in that year too didn't they so certainly can happen obviously it's not a great look for the incumbent in that situation still though unemployment is on the rise so perhaps that gives The Fed, a bit of fuel to say, maybe we can pause. Maybe we can pause now. Bar chart here pointing out the Fed fund rate versus U.S. job openings indicates the Fed may be done raising rates again. So whenever we see the unemployed numbers starting to dip, we tend to see the interest rates either flatten or start coming down. Now, this was true in 2006, where we had interest rates up around 5%, 2006, 2008, around 5%. Uh, when the employment unemployment number peaked a little over 2%, the Fed started cutting. Uh, similar situation in 2020 as well. So, will that be the case this time? This could be our best leading indicator that that we could see the Fed... Funds finally coming down. The interest rates finally coming down. So we'll see. Game of Trades here pointing out the stock market's bottom after the unemployment rate significantly rises. Now the question is, what will a significant rise be? Because currently, let's keep it real. Currently, we have not seen a significant rise in the unemployment rate, right? The unemployment rate currently is like 3%. 38.8%, right, almost 4%. We're not at a 10% unemployment rate or an 8% unemployment rate, and that could still happen. That could still happen. We haven't seen a significant rise, yet a massive spike in unemployment. That could happen later on if, of course, we get a recession. But definitely the unemployment going up, is going to be worrying markets a little bit, although it could be comforting to the Fed. Also, want to point out this because I often see that. Well, look, the the Fed fund rate is high right now, and it doesn't mean, and it means basically that markets aren't going to pump. It's not necessarily true. Now, currently, about five and a half percent, five point two five to five and a half percent for the interest rates. Now, last time they were this high was back in two thousand six, two thousand eight and I think, oh, 2008, that's bad. That's a bad year, right? Yes, 2008 was a terrible year. However, however, what's interesting here is that the interest rates stayed basically flat at about 5.5% for over a year. And during that time, the S&P 500 rallied 31% approximately. That's pretty interesting. Do we have another example when the interest rates were really high and markets went crazy? Yes, we do. In fact, a very interesting one. You see, if we go back to 1995. Oh, 1995, those were good times, weren't they? Ah, the 90s, the music was great. Ah, man, we didn't even really have internet barely yet. Those were crazy times. I feel like it's a special time, the last years before the internet revolution really took off. Anyway, that is why it was such an interesting time from an economic perspective, because while the interest rates remained around 5% from ninety-five all the way up until 2005, five years, five years, the Federal Reserve kept the interest rates around 5%. And guess what? what happened to the markets during that time the s&p 500 went up 245 percent of course that was the dot-com bubble very famously but still that meant a massive market rally was possible in that high interest rate situation now look, nothing's ever the same things are always different i know i know <laughs> uh yeah speaking of the 90s crimson caravan here in the chat i remember waiting for over an hour for a playboy centerfold to load on you know on dial up internet speed <laughs> i got he says i got caught before it was finished loading uh lark what are you doing in there mom it's not what you think i swear uh yeah those were the days <sighs> Mama's Victoria's Secret magazine. You, got, you guys know what's up any anyway. I seriously digress there. Okay, so <laughs> before we get into the rest of the data, if you're not yet signed up for the Wealth Master newsletter, you gotta check it out. It is the best cryptocurrency newsletter. Every single issue, just super jam-packed, full of value for you. We talk about NFTs. We talk about DeFi. We talk about altcoins. All kinds of alpha on altcoins. All kind of news on altcoins. What's happening in the cryptocurrency space? Alpha on airdrops and much, much more. You can sign up for free and join our seventy-five thousand weekly readers by clicking on the link in the description, or you can go to thewealthmastery.io to get signed up. Okay, let's dive into some more data here. So. This is from the Kabizi letter. Personal savings in the U.S. peaked at $2.1 trillion during the pandemic. They have fallen sharply since. Now, there are about $190 billion in personal savings remaining, down 91% from the peak. People have been spending their money. They've been spending their money during times of high inflation. Since 2020, household savings have declined by $100 billion per month. At the same time, of course, we've seen credit card uh, debt absolutely exploding. And as the queasy guys are pointing out here, debt levels are going to soar. Well, that's exactly right. When when they run out of money, people are going to turn to the credit cards. So we've seen savings go from $2 trillion down $190 billion. And if the current rates of consumption continue, then by end of October, sometime in November, people are broke. The savings are gone. All they have left then is credit cards. Of course, when your back's against the wall and all you have left is 20,000 bucks on your credit card, what do you do? You buy dog coins and you gamble. It's either Valhalla or nothing. <laughs> I hope. Don't don't gamble your last $20,000 away on dog coins guys. Come on, let's keep it responsible around here. Bar chart pointing out uh, a report from Fidelity, so Fidelity International saying that a wall of corporate debt could spark the recession in 2024. The problem is is that over the next 6 months we're going to see a massive amount of refinancing of a huge amount of corporate debt. Now that means that all these companies are suddenly gonna have much bigger interest payments. So not only can they not borrow cheap money anymore, but now the money that they borrowed is gonna cost them a lot more, meaning that they're gonna have to try to repay that quicker or they're simply gonna have much bigger uh, burdens financially, which means they're gonna hire less people, they're gonna fire more people, they're gonna have less sales because other companies aren't buying as much stuff from them, the consumers are all broke, It's a real problem. This starts to become a lot of factors coming together that could signal a coming slowdown. And look, I don't know what the answer is going to be. We live in interesting times of monetary policy where the central banks can just print crazy amounts of money and kind of erase all this stuff that normally would probably really, really matter. And it could still really, really matter if they let it matter. Maybe the Fed's happy with as much breaking as they've done and they'll kind of chill out. Maybe they want to break some more stuff, and they let all this stuff just keep running until things really, really break, and you lose your house, and you lose your job, and you lose your dog, and you lose your car, and you become a fentanyl zombie. Sounds dark, but that's kind of like their plan for you. Don't do it. Don't do it, guys. Reason Letter here also pointing out about inflation. So Inflation has gone up a little bit, obviously, bottomed recently at 3% and popped back up 3.2 expectations now for 3.3%. So that means the inflation battle continues. So problematically, we see unemployment going up, which could signal to the Fed, maybe it's time to chill out. But then inflation starts rearing its head again. And the Fed goes, "Mm, maybe we should do some more rate hikes. We haven't broken things enough. Let's break things some more. So there's a real battle here between will they, won't they, in the direction that they're going to choose. Unusual Whales pointing out the Federal Reserve has issued, a, has issued a slew of private warnings to lenders with assets of between 100 to $250 billion, including Citizens Financial Group, Fifth Third Bank Corp, M&T Bank, and others. It's demanding that regional lenders increase their liquidity planning. But that doesn't sound like a, a very you should increase your liquidity planning doesn't sound that scary does it no that's kind of a scary statement because that means that the Federal Reserve is worried let's say I'm not gonna say they're panicking or freaking out but they're definitely worried they're issuing warnings they're saying hey guys there's a problem here watch out we could see more banks coming down with these high interest rates Remember, they just wanted you to lose your job and your home. Uh, A kind of a side effect of them doing that has been the collapse of all these banks around America, and it could get worse with this high interest rate. Now, hopefully, of course, their uh, facility that they set up to let banks access liquidity is going to be enough to provide the liquidity here, but still, they're making warnings, and that warning should warn us that something's going on. Then, of course, there's China China always out there causing problems. It's China again. Always the same damn people, isn't it? It's always the Fed. It's always China. What are these guys doing? Always causing all the problems. Now, we covered this in more depth recently, but just uh, to reiterate some of the key things. uh, Over the last month, we've seen China cutting rates. We've seen China removing uh, 50% of the stock trading tax. We've seen them basically trying to make it illegal to short stocks we've seen them uh lowering rates on 5.3 trillion dollars of mortgages for the first time since 2008. There's that 2008 number again. That's not the year you want to compare anything to. No. When you want to make comparisons about financial data, 2008 does not want to be the reference point because that's bad reference point. Uh HY's real estate index down 82% in two years. Banks cutting deposit rates for the third time this year. Of course, have a grand went into bankruptcy, all that kind of stuff. China's central bank, interesting, uh, lowering interest rates on existing mortgages, meaning that they're trying to give regular people a bit of easing, so to speak, and they're lowering down payments needed for the first and second time homebuyers, which means which means the Chinese government wants people to come and speculate. They say, hey, you don't even need as big of a down payment anymore. Bring it. Got 2%. That's cool, man. Bring it. I don't know what the exact number is, but it's less. And that's interesting because they're really, really trying to stimulate that local investment market where they want people to start speculating on properties and stuff again and push markets back up, push economic activity back up because then people will have more of a wealth effect. As property prices rise, et cetera, et cetera, becomes a positive cycle for them. And of course, one thing we keep coming back around to is that damn yield curve. That damn yield curve. So this is, as they say, the classic recession indicator. Well, it's at its lowest level since 1981, which generally means everything's gonna be terrible and a horrific recession's coming and Pray now because it's going to be bad. However, however, the European Central Bank kind of let the cat out of the bag on this one, which makes all of this stuff because, again, previously seeing all these things and say, well, that's most likely what's going to happen. Now, I don't feel like it's so certain. And maybe I'm being overly biased. Maybe I'm just totally wrong on this situation. Of course, you can let me know that down in the comment section. But I feel like because of the central banks printing money, things have changed. And the European Central Bank basically lining up on that statement. The European Central Bank said the yield curve may be less able to predict recessions because of the market distortions caused by central bank bond buying. But of course it does. But of course it does. And of course, when it comes to like recessions in the USA, for example, technically, the USA had a recession uh, early last year. Technically, But technicals don't matter anymore because now recessions come down to a small group of people who kind of look at, well, maybe this sort of that, the other thing, and we'll decide when there's a recession. So it's not as easy anymore just saying, well, that's a recession. That's not a recession because they've outsourced it to some small group of political insiders who will, will let you know when the recession is. And probably by the time they tell there's a recession, it will have been long past already. Uh, Otavio over here pointing out that we are seeing the widest spread right now between mortgage rates and uh, 30-year risk-free rates, which is pretty interesting. Last time we experienced cyclically large spreads. Again, lots of years you don't want to be associated with. That's the dot-com bubble, the global financial crisis of 2008, the pandemic of 2020, and now, and now. And now's the worst. It's the worst it's ever been. Interesting. Interesting. Again, too many things comparing us to things you really don't want to be compared to. Game of Trades here pointing out uh, soft landing narrative is now the consensus. And if the crowd's always wrong, then the soft landing might be wrong. We might be coming in for a very hard landing. Now, the soft landing consensus. So this is basically news story counts on soft landings. So we had this actually uh, back in 2000 where we had about 18,000 news stories saying, well, soft landing's coming. It's all going to be cool. Back in 2006, we also had lots of soft landing stories. Once again, lots of soft landing stories. But what was not true in 2000 was they didn't have the massive money printing. 2006, the money printing hadn't started yet. Now we have massive money printing. Maybe they're really able to pull it off this time. It's hard to know where the truce is with this economic data because everything's been so distorted by the central bank money printing. Uh, Unprecedented money printing, remember. This is not just a little bit of money printing. No, no, this is like crazy money printing. And they haven't been printing money very hard recently but they will whenever there's a crisis you can count on central banks to print money like crazy because it's basically all the tools they have okay now let's change gears let's talk about when is the best damn time to actually buy some cryptocurrencies because there are moments when you can make epic purchases And there are moments when you can make epically bad purchases. And the unfortunate reality is, and as is evidenced by the general lack of interest right now in risk assets, is that most people buy at exactly the wrong time and sell at exactly the wrong time. However, it really comes down to a question of being here at the right time. And I am relatively convinced anyway In spite of some doom and gloom economic data, there's definitely a lot of doom and gloom economic data out there to look at, but I am convinced that we are in accumulation period right now and that the best times are still ahead of us for the markets. So basically, since the FTX bottom, that kind of marked the bottom for the bear market, Since then, we've basically been in an accumulation period. Now, accumulation periods are typified by low volume, general lack of interest from the herd, and lots of just sideways price action. And even this recent price action going down from 30K to 25K, we're still within the range. If we go back down to 20K, we're still just basically cycling in a 10K range. And the year might finish down at 20K. And basically, so you've seen an entire year we've gone from 20K to 30K back to 20K. That's nothing, that's nothing. That's nothing for crypto. Absolutely nothing. That's an accumulation period. That's what that is. So we see accumulation periods happen. We've seen massive accumulation periods. For example, 2015, 2016, we saw uh, 2019, 2020. We're seeing it right now, 2023, 2024. Until a bitcoin having post bitcoin having things can get pretty explosive pretty quickly but after every accumulation period basically marked by the bitcoin having then what we see is we see a new bull period come in now last time from the bitcoin having to the cycle peak we saw 700 gains for bitcoin now i'm potentially thinking here that we could see bitcoin go as high as 150 maybe 180k I'm not going to try to get overly optimistic here on my bullish predictions i got myself caught up in that a bit too much in the last cycle and didn't take as much profits as i should have as a result of that i am going try to keep things a little more realistic here so if we're seeing a 150k price point compared to where we are right now 5 to 600% gains for Bitcoin between now and the next market cycle top. In the bear market, we probably come back down to 50K, 45K, something like that. So potentially buying now, obviously, we have no idea what will happen in the future. Potentially buying now, we could see a situation where Bitcoin purchases now will remain in profit even at the lowest point of the next bear market. Potentially, potentially, of course. Now, this accumulation period, they don't tend to last forever. Accumulation periods come, accumulation periods go. How long this one lasts for? Well, I think up until the Bitcoin halving, potentially shortly thereafter, tends to be a bit of hype around the Bitcoin halving, something really exciting is going to happen overnight, and then it doesn't. Then three or four months later, then something exciting happens, or exciting things start to take place. I like the shared by a uh, crypto Vikings every generation has the opportunity to make generational wealth whether you were buying real estate back in the day or whatever else or stocks if you have your father buying that your grandfather buying properties whatever it might have been but for us now our generational wealth opportunity it's largely cryptocurrencies also though I think a good amount of tech stocks do have generational wealth opportunities uh, potentially attached to them as well but the potential gains in crypto are just so damn absurd sometimes it's actually hard to comprehend and if you haven't been around maybe you've bought bitcoin in 2022 at some point or crypto whatever altcoins might have and you're having a hard time holding them And you're thinking man this is this is tough this is not what i signed up for when do the crazy gains come back Well, generational wealth can be made in crypto. A lot of people are going to get chopped up in 2023. A lot of people have already been chopped up in 2023, chasing meme coin scams and all the rest of the stuff, right? But the truth is, cryptocurrency is one of the most asymmetric bets you can make asset class-wise because this is one of the few markets where you can literally come in with a few thousand dollars or even a few hundred dollars and literally make tens to hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars over a few years. And you think, that's crazy, that's ridiculous. A lot of people have done it. A lot of people have done it. A lot of people continue to do it. Coin fashions here. I was working at a small retail store before crypto. I didn't have $500 to my name. Fast forward to this year, I was able to pay off my parents' mortgage in full. It's a feeling i can't even begin to explain even if something happens now and i somehow lost all my investments to a hack or something like that i can always look back at crypto and say it was worth it and that's the potential and bitcoin's not going to do that for you i got to be clear bitcoin's not going to do that for you bitcoin's got great gains potential if you have bigger account size fantastic great potential but realistically even And I say this is someone whose number one investment is in Bitcoin. Bitcoin's not what's going to make you rich in the coming cycle. Look at last cycle. Bitcoin did about a 20x off the bottom, which is pretty good. If you managed to buy perfectly at the bottom, sell perfectly at the top, most people probably bought around 10k and probably sold around 40, 50k if they sold anything at all. Probably a lot of people put in five six seven hundred 700% gains on Bitcoin, assuming they bought well and sold well. But that sounds great until you realize that altcoin gains were like stupid beyond belief. Here's, here's a couple of examples for you from Dreadbongo. Solana had a 50,000% pump last cycle, it went from 50 cents to 260 bucks. That's insanity, utter insanity. Axie Infinity. Check this out. From 12 cents to $164, 132,000% gain. What? (laughs) 132,000% gain. Come on. Come, come on, man. What is that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And of course, that's happened to a lot of coins. Uh, Even some of the big coins pumped absolutely massively. Uh, And of course we go back to 2017 shout out to anybody who remembers what verge is the cryptocurrency. This one did 1.5 million percent gain in 12 months. Of course, Shiba Inu did gains like that. Uh, We saw Pepe this year put in truly insane gains for people. So look, a fully fledged, totally insane bull market will come back at some point. And the market when it does will make people rich almost overnight and it doesn't feel like that now it feels like the farthest thing from that right now and i i get it it's hard it's hard being here in the market right now it's hard doing anything in the market right now everything's boring nobody wants to hear about crypto but guess what the people who made the most money last cycle for the most part were the ones who were stacking during the accumulation period now look there's always the guy who got lucky You know, somebody came in and bought Shiba Inu in December of 2021 or 2020 or whenever the heck it was. And then two months later, they had $100 million. That's the exception, not the rule. That's the guy who had the equivalent of winning the lottery. But a lot of investors were able to come in and make 20, 50, 100x, maybe more gains by simply positioning themselves well into. Some of the blockchains, some of the major infrastructure providers, whatever it might have been. I mean, if you'd put a couple thousand bucks into Solana when it was worth 50 cents, you would have made a lot of money, right? You didn't need to find the $5,000 market cap Shiba Inu in some Reddit group when only five other people knew about it. A lot of people knew about Solana. A lot of people looked at Solana. A lot of people traded Solana. In those early days. So there you go. There you go. You know, the money potential is out there. And especially if you're farming these airdrops for what could be the next big chains, there's a lot of airdrops out there to farm. I've been farming crazy airdrops in the newsletter, man. Holy cow. It's been a busy few weeks farming airdrops. I really want to prove to everybody how easy it is to farm airdrops, and how much money can be made farming airdrops. I've been going pretty hard into farming airdrops. Also, there's not that much going on in the market other than that, so give me something to do every week, farming airdrops, making content on YouTube for you guys, talking about crypto, but also farming airdrops. The potential here is insane. And, you know, we cover airdrops all the time in the Wealth Mastery newsletter link in the description, of course. But there's so much airdrop alpha out there. It's absolutely insane. There's so many airdrops coming. And you think, oh, airdrops, Lark. Well, how much am I going to be on that? Well, okay. Solana, great example. You know Solana gave an airdrop to early test net users? That airdrop at the market peak, assuming you didn't sell it as soon as you got your airdrop. That airdrop, which literally could have cost you no money, just a little bit of time, doing some test transactions, running a node, whatever it might have been. That was worth a million bucks, a million dollars at the market peak. Probably not many people got the airdrop and then perfectly sold the top, but some people probably made six figures off of that. The opportunities are out there, and they're out there right now for the people who put in the work because guess what? Most people aren't here right now, so the opportunity to take advantage of the opportunities is pretty big. It's quiet. You have the time to do it. You know, just, just, just saying here, guys, just saying the the when things get crazy in this market, things get crazy in this market and they get crazy fast. And if you think that there's not going to be another cryptocurrency cycle, there's too much scary economic data out there. Has somebody taken away human? Did human greed disappear? Is there no more human greed in the world? Greed's gone. I, I, I missed the news flash. I didn't see that headline on CNN as long as human greed exists there will be another stupid so stupid bull market where so much money is made and lost of course if you're on the wrong side of the equation in a very short amount of time right now we're probably on the right side of the equation market cycle wise and look because of that scary economic data you have to understand that any purchases that you make if you go out and buy i don't know Thousand bucks of cryptocurrency, whatever today. That could go down 20, 30, 40, 50% in the coming weeks and months. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody really knows. You can speculate, of course. If that happens to my positions, for example, I've been buying a big back chain link recently. If it goes down, I'll probably just buy some more because I'm going to look at that and go, yep, long term, that's going to be fine. It's just like the most important piece of crypto software connecting all the blockchains and real world assets being used by swift almost it'll be okay some of those altcoins may go to zero obviously the the really small stuff right not saying chain like well but some of those really small altcoins will go to zero but those new blockchains that are coming out if they come out price tanks because it's a uh, it's a, a bear market nobody wants to hear about it it was nobody wants a damn new layer one blockchain oh it's faster than the other ones oh it's got you know, whatever, quicker block times, more transactions per second, and it's cheaper, man, and it's got like, these big VCs behind it and stuff, dude. Like, nobody cares right now. But I'll tell you when everybody will care, when the market turns, when we do have that Crazy bull market. Then it's gonna be like, oh my gosh, did you see this only costs like one 100% to make a transaction? And it does it like half a second transaction. This is like the new paradigm of money. We gotta bid this thing up. It's gonna go to, why didn't I buy this when it was 50 cents back in the day? Now it's a hundred dollars. I'm such an idiot. I gotta go all in. I gotta remortgage my house to buy it. Come on guys, it repeats every time. Not rocket science. It's hard. I'm not saying it's not hard. All this is a lot easier said than done. Buying low, selling high. Accumulating during the accumulation period requires the ability to stomach disgusting paper losses while you're waiting for things to recover. It requires the mental fortitude to show up in the face of the boredom and the despair and the anger you might see in your timeline. It requires you being able to stand up whenever you you tell your friends or family, I bought some crypto last week. Yo, you're an idiot. That stuff's a scam. It's all going to zero. Yeah, that's, that, that's why BlackRock's launching a Bitcoin ETF. Sure, guys. Sure. Sure. Aye, 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 aye. A lot of people are simply not going to make it in this market. It's hard. It's hard to hold on long term. It's hard to have that that fortitude and the vision to see where your assets can go, to look at previous market cycles and understand how crazy things can get, and how quickly they can get crazy. But they do. they will again. And that's what I'm personally betting on. Obviously cannot tell you what to do with your money. That's you. You make your own financial decisions. I'm just saying what I've been doing with my money. And I'm personally betting on the fact that human greed will come back in a very serious way. And it'll combine with all of those macroeconomic factors. There'll be rate cuts and all the rest of the shit. And markets will pump.